Thanks for joining us on the Hope Podcast. Hope Community Church exists to love people where they are and help them grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. By pursuing this relationship together, we can change the world. We have multiple locations, including an online service found at gethope.tv. If you're not from the greater Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina or near our Agape campus in Haiti, we'd love to still have you be a part of what Hope is up to through our online services. If you do live in our physical area, go to our website at gethope.net to check out where our campuses are located and our service times. Please like and share this with your friends or family. We are so glad you stopped by. Well, uh, listen, I asked Jason Gore for a parking spot, and he didn't let me get one. I bet you give me a spot now, won't he? Well, how you guys doing? Good, good, good. It is so good to see you guys. Uh, my name is Dwayne. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope, and I have been absolutely loving this series. This series has been phenomenal. It's been amazing. I mean, we have been talking all about community uh, for the last uh, few weeks, and I get a chance to wrap it up today. The first week was really, really an unbelievable message. I mean, we heard from Albert Tate, right? Like, Albert Tate was in the house, right? Uh, and Albert, <laughs> Albert talked about how we need to lean into community, how community was really, really important. And then last week, we got a chance to hear from Dave Ferguson, and Dave talked about the BLESS strategy, right? And how we have an opportunity to bless our neighbors, to bless our coworkers, to bless the people who are the closest to us. Now, both messages were phenomenal, and both of them taught us that Jesus shows up in small groups. Like, Jesus shows up when people uh, move in community and live in community. And if we're honest, over the last uh, two years or so, the thing that we've probably been missing the most has been community. Now today, I get to talk to you about a little different of an aspect of community. And I'm going to talk to you about people uh, specifically who are far from God. Uh, because they need community too, right? Like, like they need to be a part of a community. And so I'm going to talk about how the church has an opportunity to reach people who are far from God simply by being the community God created us to be. Uh, and here's the thing, like, like when we talk about people who are far from God, a lot of times the reason why they're far from God is because they had a bad experience with church, right? Like, like maybe they grew up in church and maybe they got offended somewhere or maybe something happened. And for whatever reason, they've decided that they want no parts of stepping foot in a church. And maybe to church, their arms are closed, uh, their hearts are closed. And so, like, we have an opportunity to reach people who are far from God, but how do you reach people who are far from God when they won't step foot into our churches? How do you go to people with this sense of community if maybe they've been disappointed by a church? Or better yet, maybe they were disappointed by a Christian. How do you do that, right? And how do you get outside the four walls of our buildings and do that, right? How do you do that with them not coming to our buildings? How do you do that? How do you work through that? And here's the thing, when it comes down to our buildings, like we talk about our church in, in very certain terms. And one of the things that we love to talk about with Hope Community Church is we talk about our mission, right? And our mission is to love people where they are and encourage them to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we're really all about. And if you're around Hope for five minutes, you'll hear that mission over and over and over again, right? But here's the thing, in order to love people where they are, you have to know where they are. More importantly, you have to actually go where they are, right? And, and for the most part, people who are far from God, they're not in our weekend services. 
They're not even watching at GetHope.tv. Because for whatever reason, again, their arms are closed, their arms are folded, their hearts are closed. And so maybe, just maybe, we need to have a strategy for going towards them instead of them coming towards us. Now, this is exactly the thing that we've had to think through as a Garner campus. Because for about 18 months of our existence as a campus, we didn't have a physical building. And I got to tell you, it was very easy. It would have been very easy for us to just close up shop. Like, what do you do when your building closes? And and it closed for a reason. It was this little thing. You might have heard of it. It's called COVID. (laughs) What do you do when that happens? Like, do you just close up shop and decide, you know what? We're just not going to have church. We're going to fold ourselves into the Raleigh campus, and we're just not going to be the church. Do you just wait for the building to reopen? How do you respond? And it forced us to think of things very differently. And we learned a lot of lessons in the process over that 18 months. We learned that you can be the church without a building, right? We had to learn a lot of lessons. And these are lessons that aren't new lessons. They've been in the Bible the whole time. But these are lessons that I think maybe as the church, from time to time, we forget. And so my goal tonight is to share with you some of the things that we've learned, some of the truths that we've learned in the process of trying to be the church. And and the first truth is captured right in the middle of the scripture, and it's captured in a passage in Matthew chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, could you go ahead and turn over to Matthew chapter 5? Now listen, if you're at one of our campuses, let me just say a welcome to you while you're finding this passage. Um, Welcome, we're glad you're here, Apex, Morrisville, Raleigh campus, uh, and my heartbeat, the Garner campus. I love you guys. I wish I could be with you right now, but we got a truck on the stage, right? (laughs) But welcome to you two, and welcome to you guys at GetHope.tv. Now, we're going to start at verse 13 in Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to read all the way through to verse 16. So I'm going to give you some time to find that. Uh, If you don't have your Bibles with you, it'll be on the side screens if you're at one of our physical campuses, or it'll pop up on your screen if you're watching from GetHope.tv. Uh, I'm going to let you find that, but I'm going to kind of set the stage for you of what's happening here. Now, Jesus has this hand-picked community, right? It's some guys called the disciples. He's been hanging out with these guys. He's been teaching these guys. Uh, if, if you're from the country, he's been learning these guys, right? He's been learning these guys on all kinds of things. And he's been talking to them about what it means to be a Christ follower. And for the most part of that, uh, him teaching them, he's teaching them that to be a Christ follower, you really have to deny yourself. And then when we get to Matthew chapter 5, in verse 13, he talks through this specific way that you can do that. Uh, It's a very familiar passage. Uh, In verse 13, he says these words. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, then how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. He goes on to say, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, I got to tell you, this is one of my favorite passages. This is one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. Like, it's a short passage, but it's got a lot of power in it, right? And right from the start, we see that Jesus starts with this kind of metaphor, right? He starts by saying, you are the salt of the earth, right? And then if you go a little further in the passage, he says, you are the light of the world. Now, notice he doesn't say, 
you're trying to be the salt of the earth. He, he doesn't say if you work really, really hard, you can one day be the light of the world. He starts with a very definitive statement. There's emphasis in this. He says, you are salt. You are light. And that kind of begs the question, like, like why is Jesus using salt and why is he using light as a metaphor? Why is he comparing people to the stuff that we season our food with, right? And he's not. As a matter of fact, during Jesus' time, salt had some very different uses. Like, like, like uh, one of the things that salt was is salt was actually payment. Uh, it was very valuable. So if you had a job, they would pay you a little bit in money, right? And they would pay you a little bit in salt. And this is where we get the term in culture that this guy isn't worth his salt. <laughs> because it was a wage, right? It was very valuable. And that meant that that guy wasn't worth his wages, and that's where we kind of say that from. But, but when we gave you salt, salt was, it had some very specific uses. Like, like uh, in Jesus' day, they didn't have refrigeration. So salt was used as a preservative, right? And it was used to preserve things. Like let's just say, for instance, uh, and it, it preserved especially meats. Like let's just say, for instance, that you had some meat that you wanted to preserve. Let's just, let's just say, hypothetically, it was bacon, right? Now, I don't know why anybody would want to preserve bacon. Like bacon's for eating, not for preserving, right? Amen? Okay. All right. Y'all with me? But let's just say hypothetically, you wanted to preserve some bacon. Uh, you would pack that thing in salt, right? And it would allow it to be able to uh, stay uh, safe, and it would allow it to not rot. It would allow it to not uh, decay. And so, so uh, salt was a preservative. Here's another use of salt during Jesus' day. Let's just say that the disciples have been walking with Jesus, spending time with Jesus, and, and they wore a lot of uh, uh, sandals and they wore robes. And let's just say uh, the sandals started to hurt their feet or the robes started to chafe their arms, right? Then, then it, the salt was used as a healing agent. So they would take the salt and they would pack the wound with salt and it would start the healing process. Now, now, just like Saul, uh, Jesus compares people in this passage to light. And light also had some uses during Jesus' time, right? Now, there was no light. You couldn't hit a light switch, uh, and you couldn't turn on the light in the rooms. There was no power. So during Jesus' time, the way that people got light was either they lit a candle, right, or they started a fire outside, or the light came in from the sun. And so light had some uses during his time, and they're very similar to the uses during our time, like during Jesus' day. Light was used to shine in darkness. And so if you went into a dark room, you would turn or you would light a candle, and that light would overpower the darkness in that room. And that's very specific to light. Light has the power to shine brightly in darkness. As a matter of fact, light shines the brightest in the darkness. And no matter how small a light is, if you step into a room and it's dark, that light will overpower the darkness. Uh, here's the other thing that light did. Light had a way of lighting a path, so people would travel with candles when they were going on long journeys. Now, I tested this recently. Listen, I have a dog uh, at my house, and my dog um, is about six pounds, four ounces. Don't judge me. I'm a big guy, but I'm sensitive about my dog. I have a shih tzu. Y'all can say it together. Aw. I know. It's, she's so cute. Her name is Coco. She's so cute. And I look very masculine walking that little dog through my neighborhood. <laughs> Let me just tell you right now. <laughs> Can you say shit to a church? <laughs> I said it. I said it. So we're moving on. But I have a shit to, little dog. 
Uh, and, and we used to be able to walk her on long distances, but she's been with us for about 15 years. And so I don't get an opportunity to walk her anymore. We have to kind of let her out in the backyard if she needs to do her business. And, and we started noticing that she was having a hard time finding her way home, right? And like, like she was getting older, and so she couldn't find her way home. And so we had to put some light in the backyard. And, and that's also what light was used for during Jesus' time. It, it was meant to light a path. It was meant to help us to find our way home. So when Jesus is making a statement about people being salt and about people being light, he's really not just making a metaphor here. What he's actually doing is he's comparing the people, the people that he created, the followers of Christ, he's comparing them to salt and light. And he's making an identity statement. He's saying that your identity is salt. That your identity is light, that you were meant to be salt in the world, that you were meant to be light in the world. He's saying that the people that he created, the followers of Jesus, they are meant to be a healing presence into their communities. Uh, they're, meant, they're meant to preserve the culture, to stop things from feeling so bad, from going so bad. They are meant to light a pathway that leads back to Jesus, that they're meant to shine brightly in the darkest places of the world. You see, Jesus is communicating our identity. He's communicating our purpose. That's who we are. We were designed to be salt and light. Uh, but Jesus doesn't stop at just talking about our identity. He goes a little further, and he starts to talk about a thing called, uh, I like to call it our tendency. He, he talks about salt that loses its saltiness, right, and, and stops being salty. He talks about light that gets hidden, and so instead of shining brightly, it's kind of hidden away. And, and he's saying that like, this, this is what people have a tendency to do. Like some will not let their salt be salty. Some will not let their light shine. And I think this is our tendency. And, and let me tell you why I think it. I'm going to tell it through a story. Like I have uh, two children. They're young adults. So, like I have one uh, who is off in college, and she's done very well. And I have one uh, who stayed close to home, and he's done very well. And I'm, I'm excited. They're both grown adults. They have their own apartments. Me and my wife are living the empty nest life, and it is beautiful. Let me tell you right now. Don't believe the hype. It's good. It's good. Like when my son graduated uh, and when he decided to move into his own apartment, uh, I, I, I bought a kilt and I went out to the front of the house and a sword and I held it up in the air and I said, freedom! <laughs> and I looked down the street and there was like nine dads doing exactly the same thing. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I did it inside. I did it inside. But no, uh, my children, they're growing up, and, and I have one who's really adventurous, my daughter. My son is not as adventurous, and my daughter likes to invite me into things. Like, she likes to go, Dad, I got this new thing that you should check out. And so one of the things that she showed me recently was she showed me this thing called a float spa, right? Has anybody seen this thing? This thing is, cra this thing is crazy, right? Uh, you actually get inside of this thing, right? And it's like a spa. And it looks like an egg, and when you get inside, um, the top closes to it. Um, there's music inside of it, like there's ambient light inside this thing. But the key to the whole thing is that inside of it, there's this salt water, right? And, and so you get in this thing, and the goal of the whole thing is that you just kind of float away. <laughs> you lean back, and you just, you just float away, right? And, and, and so I saw this thing, and I'm like, I asked the question that all dads ask, like, how much is it to float away in the salt water spa? Like, how much does it cost? And she's like, oh, it's, it's not bad, Dad. It's like, it's like $399, that's all. 
That's all, it's just $399 to float away. And I'm thinking to myself, like, this just got put on the list that Albert talked about two weeks ago of things that black people don't do. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not hiking. I'm not getting in the float spa. I'm not chasing bears. I'm not doing that. But you know what I think happens? I think Jesus told us to be salt and light. And I think in the church, we've done the same thing as what happens in the, the spa. I, I think we have a lot of salt inside the four walls of our church. And we have a lot of light inside the four walls of our church. And I think instead of taking it out to the communities who desperately need us, I think we've just kind of floated away in the salt. I mean, it's so comfortable inside the float tank, right? Like, it's so comfortable inside the egg. And, and like, you got ambient light, right? It's beautiful. It's very comfortable. It's very easy. It's very peaceful. It doesn't require a whole lot of us. And so we just kind of float away in the salt and hope that nobody bothers us. We're living inside those eggs. Let me change the word. I think at times... We live inside those bubbles. And nobody can get in. And maybe we don't even want to go out. And the problem with that whole thing is like, like it's very comfortable in there, but Jesus didn't tell us to float in the salt. He told us that we are salt. And he sent us out into different communities. And he sent us out because he knows that in sending us out, if we actually uh, take the, the mindset that we are salt and that we are light and we go out into our communities with those things, he knows that instead of our tendency, that we'll have opportunities. Like, like we'll have tons of opportunities to reach people who are far from Christ. And the opportunities are everywhere. Like if we open our eyes, we can see the opportunities all over our communities. And so as the Garner campus, we started looking at church differently. We started thinking about how do we get into those opportunities? How do we engage people who are far from God if they can't step foot into our building? And they couldn't because we didn't have a building. So we started doing things. And it gave us tons of opportunities. Like, we started going to places where people are. Like, because like, here's the thing. They may not be in all of our churches. They may not come to all of our services. But they're certainly in our communities. There's tons of people in our communities who are far from God. And so we started engaging people. We started going to places that churches don't normally go. We started showing up for our community. And we learned a ton of lessons in the process, a ton of truths. Like, like here's the first thing that we learned. We learned... That when you show up for a community, right, like when you go to a community, when you're present in your community, it builds trust. Like, like we started going into our community. We started like meeting people where they were. Like we did all kinds of things. We went to uh, the, the firefighters parade. Like we took 25 people to the firefighters parade and we just showed up and we marched in the parade. And like it told our firefighters that we were there for them. Like, 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 so we started going and feeding teachers at our school. Like, we, we meet in a magnet high school, Garner Magnet High, and we started feeding our teachers, feeding the staff of the school, letting them know that we were there. And this funny thing happened when we did that. We built trust. So now when we walk into the schools... It's like high fives and hugs, man. Like, like we walk in, they, they know us, they, they, they trust us, and they trust us because we were present. 
because we showed up for them. One of the things we did recently, just a few weeks ago, uh, teachers came back to school for the first week. Uh, and let me just tell you, teachers are not always the happiest about coming back for that first day of school. They're not always that, that excited about it. Uh, they actually call it in-service. Now, my wife's a teacher. Uh, she became an administrator later in her career. So she was a principal at one point. Um, and so, so when my wife was a teacher, she would call those first days of school for teachers, she would call it death by PowerPoint. Like, that's what she called it. She called it death by PowerPoint. Now, when she became a principal, uh, she started calling it valuable training. Like, and, and, and those are different. Those are different. <laughs> but we know that teachers were frustrated on those days, and so we decided to do something about it. We have a, a ministry here at Hope Community Church that we call Project Classroom. And so we took Project Classroom directly to the school. Like, we started handing out school supplies right in the school. And we fed all the teachers on the first day. And then we had a big surprise. We brought our worship team, and as they were getting death by PowerPoint, we rolled up the screens, and the band was behind it, and they played three songs for the teachers. And let me just tell you, it was amazing. One teacher in the hallway told me, this was the best I've felt in two years. You think they trust us? Absolutely they trust us. And here's why they trust us, because when you show up for a community, when you're present, it absolutely builds trust. You see, here's the thing about the church. When we show up for people's Mondays, they are much more likely to show up for our Sundays. When we show up for a community, it builds trust. Here's another thing that we learned in the process. Here's another thing that we learned. We learned that God provides all kind of resources, right? We learned that God provides the resources that you need if you're willing to show up. Uh, one of the reasons when I ask people about why maybe they don't go out into the community or why maybe they don't live like salt and light, and they say to me, Dwayne, it's just because we don't have enough. Like, and I say, enough of what? Uh, we don't have enough time, or we don't have enough people, or we don't have enough uh, money, right? And so, and so I always say, like, well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to make up in your mind that you are going to go out and be salt and light. And then I want you to watch as God provides the resources. And let me just tell you, God always provides the resources when you decide. Now, now uh, right at the beginning of COVID, like we were in Garner again. We didn't have a building. We got shut down. Uh, our church decided to do a ministry that we were calling Project Hope. It was just a way for us to take food to people who had a need. Now, it was the beginning of the pandemic, so the government benefits hadn't kicked in yet. Big surprise, not a political statement, just a fact. They hadn't kicked in yet, and so we, we decided, like, you know what, we really want to be a part of Project Hope, but we don't have a place to serve food. And I remember praying the night before and then telling our local Hope coordinator, we're going to have Project Hope in Garner, right? We didn't have a location, but I was stepping out on faith, right? I was stepping out on faith. I was like, we're going to do it. We're going to have Project Hope in Garner. Well, the next day, I get a phone call from a local business owner who is a faithful Garner member. She, she's somebody who loves the church. Their family supports the church completely. And so she called me and said, hey, listen, Dwayne, you remember we were about to expand our business, right? Well, well we were planning to expand our business because we had such a great year last year. And as we were preparing to expand our business, the same day you guys got shut down, we got shut down. <laughs> and so we had grand opening. And then we had grand closing. And I was like, wow, I'm sorry to hear that. She said, come to the, come to the business. And so I jumped in my car. I drive over to the business. 
And she greeted me, greeted me at the door. She handed me keys to the building. And she showed me how to work the alarm code. And she said, here's what I want you to do with my building. I don't know how long we're going to exist. But what I'm going to do is give you this until you use it for whatever you need to use it for to reach people. Now, keep in mind, we didn't have a location. Yeah. That store is called Little Details Boutique. And that store became the hub of the Garner, or the Garner campus's efforts. We started handing out food. We started using that building. Now, when they first gave me those keys, I had two thoughts. My first thought was, listen, you trust me with your building? Like, I ain't always been a pastor. This is a lot of trust. Like, like, I'm not going back to jail. I've never been to jail. <laughs> never been to jail. But she handed me the keys, and I'm like, you trust me with this building? My second thought was, that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to use it for God's glory. And we started doing that. And within two weeks, we had cars lined up around the corner. We were feeding hundreds of people every single week. And we were thanking God in the process. And every person was prayed for. Every person was invited to watch GetHope.tv. Uh, every person was cared for. So a campus that didn't exist a year ago and didn't have a building was able to meet critical needs in the community that needed it. Because God always provides. God always provides. When we decide to be salt and light, God will provide everything we need to reach the people who are far from God. Do you think there were some people in those cars who were far from God? Absolutely. And they told us about it. And many of them checked out our church, and many of them are still at our church. So we learned a very valuable lesson in that moment, to trust God with everything that we need, and he always provides, right? And now here's the last lesson that we learned. We learned that being salt and light, it doesn't mean that you have to add anything to your schedule, Right? Uh, remember I told you people always tell me, Dwayne, I don't have enough time or I don't have enough of this or enough of that. Well, well, being salt and light doesn't mean that you have to add anything to the calendar. It just means that you have to use the things that God's already given you and then you have to use those things in a very intentional way, right? Uh, let me give you an example. One of the things that worked very well for us in Garner, like we tried a bunch of different stuff and some of it worked and some of it didn't, but one of the things that worked very well for us was something that everybody does. It's called tailgating. Everybody tailgates, right? Like, and so we just thought, like, man, now I'm a sports fanatic. I love sports. I love to go to games. Uh, love, I'm a sports fanatic. I will watch anybody play. Uh, so I just thought, like, what if I used the tickets that I received for sporting events? And I started to invite people who were on the fence about church or people who were far from God. I hope we call it the people who aren't here yet. What if we invited those people uh, to come out, and, and maybe they'd never step foot into our church, right? But maybe they step foot into a tailgating party. And listen, a lot of men are like that. Like, like most men, if you ask them what their love language is, they'll tell you, my love language is not uh, words of affirmation. My love language is brisket and sausages. Like, I like, that's what I like. That's their love language. So we invited these men to partake in their love language. And I got to tell you, like, it wasn't good seats. It, it wasn't even a good game. Like, like it, wasn't, it wasn't a good game. I mean, I took these guys to go see Duke football. Like, like it was like, like, who wants to go to a Duke football game? Like, honestly. 
Like, it was like Duke football versus uh, Chicago School for Troubled Teens. Like, and Duke lost. Sorry, Duke people. It's true. But I, I invited these guys, and, and these guys showed up, right? And, and they would come, and like, like, and so I did it again, and the guys would come, and then I, and then I did it again, and the guys would come, and before you knew it, every single week we were having tailgate uh, parties with guys who were far from God, or guys who who maybe were on the fence about church, and we would invite them in. And here's the thing: they would show up, and they would show up because the truth is, is that those guys didn't come for the tickets. They didn't even come for the food. Those guys came for the community, and they found it. You, you remember when I said earlier that God shows up in small groups? That small group, let me just tell you, God showed up in mighty ways. Like, like those men who came to those games, those men who came and hung out, right, with the bad seats and the bad stadium and the bad team, those men are some of the strongest leaders in the Garner campus right now. Those men serve every week. Those men have connected together. And now those men are going out and reaching other men and bringing them into church in the same way. You see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You don't have to add anything to your schedule. You just have to use the things that God's already given you in an intentional way to reach people who are far from God. And that was a great tool. And we used it. I got to tell you, we used it. Like, like, and here's the thing. Like, you can use tools like that. There's all kinds of things that you can do. You eat meals seven days a week, right? So what if you use one of those meals to reach people who are far from God? Uh, you go online every day. What if you used your Facebook page as a way to reach people who are far from God? There's tons of things at your disposal. There's tons of ways you can take community to people. We just have to be intentional about doing it. And here's, here's another thing that I've learned recently about all of this. I've learned, uh, I've learned in all of this process that the one thing that we can't do with all of this, the one thing that we can't do with being salt and light is that we can't just talk about it. Like, like we can't just talk about it and then not actually do it, right? Like being salt and light means that we actually have to do something. And I learned it through a story. Uh, there's a guy that I follow. Uh, he's an American success story. The guy's name is Byron Allen. Like he's a great leader. Um, this guy was a, a comedian in the 1970s. He made a bunch of money. And somehow he went from being a comedian to buying the Weather Channel. Like that's a, not a normal transition, right? Uh, but, but this guy's a billionaire. And so I learned a lot from Byron Allen, like, and he was telling this story on TV a few weeks ago. Now, Byron's a billionaire, so he lives in one of the best neighborhoods in all of Los Angeles, right? A very expensive home. He has a daughter. She's six years old. And she, lives, she goes to school on the other side of town. So Byron has to drive her to school every day. That's a nice neighborhood. His neighborhood's a nice neighborhood. And so he drives her to school, but he has to go through one of the worst neighborhoods in all of, all of Los Angeles. It's a horrible neighborhood. And so as he's driving her through one morning, Byron's daughter starts to count in the back seat. She goes one, two, three, four. And Byron says, baby, what are you counting? And she says, dad, it's not important. It doesn't matter. And she, she keeps counting. And she's like, uh, five, six, seven, eight. 
And he goes, baby, what are you counting? And, and, and he goes, uh, baby, I need to know what you're counting. She goes, dad, it's not important. I don't think it matters. And he goes, no, really, what are you counting? And she says, dad, I was just counting the homeless people. And Byron says he drops his daughter off to school. And as he's driving away, he pulls his car over to the side of the road. And he said, I'm not sure what bothered me the most. I don't know if it was the fact that my daughter thought that the homeless people she saw didn't matter to me. Or I don't know if it was the fact that She's seen me for six years of her life drive through one of the most poverty-stricken neighborhoods in all of Los Angeles. And she's seen me talk about doing things to help people. But her whole life, she's never seen me do one thing. Not one thing to help anybody. Not, not one thing to make a difference. She's never seen me do anything. And here's the thing I've learned about being salt and light. Like, if we're going to be serious about it, the one key thing we can't do is we can't just talk about it. Like we have to actually live it. It requires us to actually live this out because we have to do more than tell people about salt and light. We got to show them what salt and light looks like. We have to decide to go to people who are far from God. And we have to take the community that we experience inside the church and we have to bring it to people in the places where they are. And here's what I know. I know that if you hear this message today, like if you, if you were watching at GetHope.tv or at one of our campuses, you heard this. And this probably has gotten you just a little bit excited. Like you're probably chomping at the bit to go out and live this way. And so I want you to do a couple things in order to put this into practice. I want you to apply this a couple different ways. Here's the first thing I want you to do. I want you to take inventory of the things that you already have, of the things that God's already given you. Like, like what do you have in your hands? For me, it was tickets and tailgating. For you, it might be something else. I want you to take inventory of what you have. How many people do you have? Are you a part of a small group? Because if you're not, then you should be. And let me just tell you, we just went through a group connect but it's not too late to sign up to be a part of a small group. Remember what I said, God shows up in groups. Here's the second thing. I want you to develop an action plan, right? Like, like I want you to take inventory, but then I want you to develop an action plan. And in that action plan, I want you to be specific. I want you to like think about what needs could we meet? Who do we specifically need to target and go after? Who do we know who's far from God? that needs community. And in being specific, I want you to do one more thing. I want you to take action. I want you to get after it. I want you to actually live it out. Like our world right now is all over the place. And it's increasingly divided, right? And what the world needs to see right now, what a divided world needs to see desperately is a united church serious about reaching them exactly where they are. That's who we are. That's who God made us to be, salt and light. Now, for most of this message, I've been talking to people who are, 
who are, who are probably already Christians, right? I've been talking to people who, who we have a mission and we have a vision, and I've been talking to folks who, who are already believers or who are maybe even very close to being believers. But, but I want to shift gears for a second, and I want to talk to people who may identify themselves on the other side of the conversation. This is the person who says, you know what, Duane, I am that guy. I am that gal who is far from God right now. I'm the person who had my arms closed. But because somebody was salt and light to me, I'm checking this thing out. I want to tell you, like, you're in good company. 20 years ago, I was in the same spot that you are. Like, like I had joined the Marine Corps and I had left home and I grew up in church. And I got hurt in a lot of different ways in my local church. And when I went to the Marine Corps, I left and in my mind, I left God at home with my parents. And when I joined the Marine Corps, like this guy uh, who was in my unit, like he started talking to me about going to lunch. And he was this confusing guy. He was this weird guy. Like he was a guy, uh, this is just an unusual guy, but he started inviting me into lunch with other guys. And so I would go to lunch. I might not have gone to church, but I would go to lunch. And so I joined him for lunch. And then one lunch turned into two. And then two lunches turned into three. And then one of the guys in the group invited me and my family to come to a church service. And it just so happened that the guy in that group, he was the pastor of that church. And one day he shared the gospel with me. And I've been following Jesus ever since. I responded by saying, yes. And here's the thing, the guy didn't start with me beating me over the head with the Bible. He didn't start with me by telling me some deep theological ideology. He started by offering me community. And in offering me community, he was able to lead me to Jesus. Here's what I'm going to tell you about our church. Listen, I've been at Hope for three years, not 30. But the one thing I know about our church is that we are never going to stop pursuing people who are far from God. We are never going to stop doing that. That's who we are. That is our heartbeat. We exist as a church for those who aren't here yet. And so we're going to love you every way we know how. We're going to give you the opportunity to ask as many questions as you need to ask. We're going to try to reach you exactly where you are. And we give you the permission, the space to tell us if we miss something. We won't get upset about that. We'll just try again. Because we've experienced community here. And community led us to Jesus. And we want you to experience the same kind of community. At the end of that passage, Jesus talks about people, how people see good works. And when they see good works, those good works bring people to glorify our Father who is in heaven. Being salt and light is all about bringing glory to God. And I believe that we can do it. And so here's, here's what I want to tell you. If you are somebody who knows Jesus, I want to tell you, get after it. Like, like we got to get after it. we got to do this. Like, we got to be salt and light. But if you're somebody who doesn't know Jesus, I want to invite you to kick the tires on Christianity one more time. I want to invite you into community. Now we're going to pray and then we're going to go out and be salt and light. 
And there's going to be no more announcements after this. We're going to end our service. We're going to go out and be who God told us to be. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your love. I thank you that you made us to be salt and you made us to be light. You made us to bring healing to communities that, are, that, that we live, work, and play in. You made us to preserve the culture until the day that you return. You made us to shine brightly in the darkest of places, and you made us to light a pathway home. And home is where you are. Home is with Jesus. So, Father God, we just pray that we will be a church that will go after people who are far from God, a church that will experience community inside the walls, but will take community outside the walls. Help us to be that kind of church. And for people who are on the fence, I pray that we would be welcoming and loving, and I pray that we, they would feel comfortable to kick the tires of Christianity one more time. I pray that you would lead them to find you. And growing in their relationship with you, they'll experience what real community was meant to be. I thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here's the thing. <laughs> at all of our campuses and even at GitHub.tv, uh, you can partake in communion. And, and you'll, there's kind of some guidance. Uh, you'll see some ushers in the aisles if you're at one of our physical campuses. And if you're online, they'll give you some instructions, and you can take communion right in the comfort of your own home. Now, if you have questions about the message, questions about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, questions about how to get into a small group, or maybe you got questions about how to be salt and light, I want you to know that we have an area set up for you. It's called Next Steps. Um, you can go to one of our Next Steps areas at our physical campuses, or you can go to nextsteps at gethope.tv. Folks, know that we love you, and I got to get out of here. I got to go be salt and light. God bless you. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to the Hope Podcast. We appreciate you joining us as we tackle issues facing our modern world from a biblical perspective. To make sure you don't miss a message, please take a moment and hit the subscribe button. Also, if you're new to Hope and want to check out what we're about and how to be a part of our community, go to our next steps at gethope.net slash next. Let us know your story because we'd love to connect with you.